one. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. This one's going to be a whole lot of fun. You're probably going to find out why during the show, but I'm not going to ruin it for you. Let's just jump in and have a good time. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. I love that music. It's so fun. It's definitely better than episode one. Or episode <laughs> one. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Before we jump in, I just want to once again quickly ask everybody listening, watching, uh, please head over to YouTube, search for Practicing Polyamory Podcast and hit that subscribe button. Hit the little bell if you want to be notified when we're going live. I want to get to 100 subscribers by the end of the month so that I can create that custom URL. And, you know, I really want to do that before the end of the month. So would really appreciate that. Uh, also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, uh, at Practicing Poly A. Uh, follow us there, and uh, we'd love you, appreciate you forever. Uh, also, I want to continue to repeat this for uh, you know a, a while. I don't know how long, but uh, if you identify as BIPOC uh, and or LGBTQIA+, etc., and also polyamorous, I especially want to hear your stories. Yours are the ones that uh, deserve to be heard, and you know there, there's just so much, so much that we can learn uh, from you. So if that is you, Please, please, please uh, jump on here. Would love to hear from you. Would love to talk to you. Would love to learn from you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with the show. Today's special guest is a sci-fi aficionado who has been polyamorous his entire life. But like many of us, he didn't know polyamory was even an option until much later in life. Now that he's aware of the term and the ways, he's been happily practicing polyamory since he learned the term nearly 10 years ago. Our guest loves to learn, and his interests are always changing, so a conversation with him will never be boring. His current hobbies and obsessions include all things science fiction and board games, plus U.S. history and economics and how those things relate to social issues today. We know there's a lot of that stuff going around. Just a bit. I am excited to bring this special guest to the show, and today we'll get to learn how much of a difference discovering polyamory has made in his life. Joining us today from my home hometown and America's finest city, San Diego. Welcome to the show, Jason Dauber. I love it. I love it. So much <laughs> dancing, so much fun. Jason, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Same. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the history, just kind of getting started with, you know, all things polyamory. Um, tell me a little bit about your life, BP, and then AP. <laughs> right. uh, so let's see, BP, as it were. Um, so I've always had this weird thing of like, hey, love triangles in movies never made sense to me. Uh, for example, <laughs> that's the that's the simple one to explain it, right? Or right. Um, like the idea of like you can only love one person at a time never really it just didn't 
make sense for some reason. And I couldn't articulate it for the longest time. And, uh, you know, like most people, especially starting in the teenage years, I was like, well, mm-hmm. I'll just cram that down the, uh, you know, down the side and ignore it and go on from there. Uh, so then, geez, I want to well, say about Let me, let me kind of stop you re- really quickly sure. there. So going back to like your first relationships and, and your first even crushes mm-hmm. or, or whatever, anything like that, you know, thinking about the fact that loving one person or only being allowed to love one person didn't make sense. Did you have relationships? Were you in relationships? And then like you would have a crush on somebody else and just never felt like you could pursue that. And did that just always feel wrong to you? Gotcha. Uh, So I would, if I was in a relationship, I would, uh, how do we put this? I was never, I never felt guilty for say finding somebody else attractive Mm -hmm. or like being, Ooh, wow, that person's cute or whatever. That never bugged me or made me feel like I was an awful human being, but I also knew I was never going to act on any of those thoughts or feelings because, uh, again, default monogamy, that's just how it's done. And there's really no questioning it. Right. So, Mm -hmm. So fast forwarding into your adult dating years, you know, the relationships that quote unquote matter because, you know, high school and all that stuff, it is what it is. Uh, Tell me a little bit about uh, some of the the growth and relationships that you had, uh, like prior to coming to polyamory and right before you discovered. Well, as an introverted nerd, I didn't have that many, actually. A few high school girlfriends and then a few people that were interesting for one reason or another. Uh, And then... uh, I met somebody online way before it was cool, actually. Uh, you know, again, as a nerd, right? I grew up uh, as the internet was being formed. Let me rephrase that. I was about my early 20s as the internet was being formed. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. basically once it jumped out of colleges and uh, like defense institutes and stuff and uh, in scientific places, like as soon as it jumped from there into uh, the mainstream, for lack of a better way of saying it, right? Uh, basically, you know, when we had of- AOL, right? Just what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> CDs were everywhere th- those days. So at I that remember point, that. Online dating was uh, basically a twinkle in everybody's eye at that point. Like, is a, hey, could this possibly work? And I managed to actually find somebody pretty amazing and uh, nice. was married for 14 years. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, monogamously married, did mm-hmm. not, uh, there was no, like, nope. exploring polyamory at that time. Nope. Uh, in fact, I didn't even find out about polyamory until, of all things, a podcast told me about a book called Sex at Dawn, which I think your previous uh, guest mentioned. Yeah, and yeah. And that was my, like, oh, MG, wait, this is actually possible? This is a thing? Yeah, what? exactly. Um, you know, it's sort of like the, the classic trope of, you know, it's not really, it, or it's hard to think about something until you have words to describe it. So I don't think it means what you think it means. Exactly. We don't know what the yeah. words are. So, you know, how can mm-hmm. we how can we know what they mean? Yeah. So did you find out about polyamory while you were married or afterwards? While I was married. Um, let's see. That was eh, about two years until we separated. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but to be really honest, polyamory was just like your previous guest. It was uh, like fifth or sixth on the list, if that. Um, for me, it was like, a, oh, this would make things a lot easier for me but like Mm -hmm. just because it's easy for me doesn't mean that you know therefore it automatically has to happen right right um and to be super blunt my relationship skills prior to starting polyamory were not good um oh okay yeah this is well this is super interesting (laughs) and that's exactly what i want to get into you're probably going to go there right now what are those relationship skills like where 
where did you know you went wrong and what oh, have you learned? Well, so like everybody says communication, 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 oh, even yeah. in normal quote unquote normal relationships. Right. But usually you're not taught how to communicate or, mm -hmm. um, Ooh, you know, or, or like the way I like to think of it is, uh, so in default monogamy world, there's lots of other defaults that are pretty unconscious, like, uh, okay. the relationship escalator, which I'm right. most people have heard of. The basic idea is you will, you know, after X amount of time, it, you know, that X might be different for different couples, but like after X amount of time, oh, now it's time to become boyfriend and girlfriend. Now it's time to move in together. Now it's time to think about getting married. Mm -hmm. Oh, are we going to have kids? You know, although you probably mm -hmm. decided that beforehand, but you know, so there's like a path, right? There's like a right. trajectory that that is kind of default and people just sort the of white get fans grow old together mm -hmm. and die hand in hand yeah exactly so um so when all of that is sort of like already decided for you for lack of a better way of saying it right mm -hmm. like it just didn't occur to me to think about other things as far as like oh hey maybe i can discuss with my wife about a b or c you know um and so you know like also, you know, I was a pretty big nerd and, you know, nerds aren't the best at social skills necessarily, you know, that has improved over time. But, um, but really that was from, uh, towards the end of my marriage, you know, realizing it and making a concerted effort to like, okay, I need to get better at this stuff. Um, but you know, like by then, right. That had been at least 10 years. And so one thing I've definitely noticed in relationships is you sort of form patterns early on and those patterns are so hard to break later. If you haven't, mm. like, if you don't put lots of time, energy and work into them, right. Uh, into breaking the habits. And so my ex-wife and I had just a ridiculous number of really bad habits. Uh, we didn't argue well, you know, that kind of stuff. So she's a really good human. I, you know, was lucky mm -hmm. to have her, um, in my life. I learned a lot from her, which, you know, I'm eternally grateful for, but, um, we just just weren't a good fit is really what it boils down to. And, uh, you know, the non-monogamy thing was part of it, but not the only thing. Not the only thing. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, it wasn't even in the top five. It was just kind of a, a, a thing in the back of your mind, probably, um, it sounds yeah. like. And I mean, like, I, so she may have a different idea of this, right? There's always two sides to every story. <laughs> um, she Three. may think that it would, yeah, right. Uh, maybe even more, right? There can be multiple truths. <laughs> well, it, uh, there's can be true what he said, time. what she said, and what actually happened. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Very true. But anyway, anyway. Yeah. Digress. So, oh, that's okay. Digressions are my stock and trade, man. Uh, <laughs> which you probably know. But, uh, I was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, like I said, she probably might disagree with the order of things, like which is was the most important thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. But anyway, again, we just didn't have good habits and we didn't neither of us were that good at communicating to each other like we are probably better at communicating with other people now mm -hmm. which is good right like growth is always good and i'm really happy for that but so let's yeah. dive into that the communication uh <laughs> we do say that all the time communication 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 right that's the the mm -hmm. big c's right the big three um what what have you learned about communication that you apply to your relationships today that were skills that you didn't have in your marriage? Uh, oh, let's see. Um, so I got super lucky um, early on after separating and meeting somebody who suggested a podcast that's really shaped my relationship style and my, I'm not going to say rules, but like my guidelines, right? My, my, uh, 
the way I like to try to start relationships. And that was uh, Dan Savage's Savage Lovecast. Okay. Um, he does this weekly. It's a call-in show. And um, he basically helps uh, over the phone f- help people with their relationship uh, problems. Oh, well, okay. Sex relationships, dating, et cetera, et cetera. It's a pretty wide-ranging podcast. It's really good. And Yeah, um, yeah. I've heard, I've heard his name. I know that he does yeah. a bunch of different things. I haven't listened to the yep. podcast, but now... Yeah, highly have recommended. To. Yeah, you know, in your in your uh, copious free time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have so much of that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But um, so he he had a lot of things that uh, like I definitely like to think now that if I had found that podcast four years earlier, I probably could have saved my marriage because I would have mm. learned a lot of the skills that would have helped. I mean, there still may have been fundamental incompatibilities, you know, like say monogamy <laughs> that would have made it not work. <laughs> but um, but like Dan Savage has things he talks about things like a, a companionate marriage where like you love each other but you're not attracted to each anymore, each other anymore, but mm-hmm. you still want to stay together because like you really are good roommates or you have a house together that you really like or whatever, you know, there can be a bazillion different kids. reasons. Yeah. Kids. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to say that I think happy families are more important than staying together when it comes to kids, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would I mean, say I have that a sample size of one, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but my kid does pretty well. I think all things considered um, for having, you know, had a, set of parents that split up but that's also because my ex-wife and i uh were very in tune with hey we're not gonna badmouth each other or you know the other to her mm-hmm. you know there's not gonna be any tug of war with her involved that sort of thing but nice you know, so hey look at that we managed communication at the very end <laughs> <laughs> didn't so exactly. very good very good so it worked out so so uh yeah. Dan Savage's podcast really helped you to kind of develop some rules maybe around communication. I would say rules just more like he, he opened my uh, mind to all these different possibilities, right? Remember the monogamy defaults, um, basically that plus a lot of reading, uh, again, nerd. So I did a ridiculous amount of research, uh, lots mm-hmm. of reading, um, uh, more than two had come out recently when I started my polyamory journey and, mm-hmm. um, so I read that. I read several blogs, et cetera, et cetera, several podcasts. And, um, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff together kind of helped me. Again, it was more like a like a crash course, right, in getting <laughs> getting everything figured out and at least starting from pretty much scratch, right? Because I'd been married for 14 years. I hadn't been dating for a really long time. So my dating skills were pretty nascent. <laughs> yeah, so... All of these things that you've researched, these podcasts that you've listened to, the books that you've read, uh, all of the things that you've nerded out on and learned about polyamory, uh, you did send this to me, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the questionnaire. But I want to bring this up. Um, yeah. What, you know, you said that there are three things that uh, the, the the number one thing that you've learned is that there are three things that help with uh, partner combat compatibility. Is that right? Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about that. So um, I'm going to throw this into, or actually, you know what? I'll just ask you about it and we can talk about it. Sure. Um, do you remember I, what they are? Yeah, I actually made some notes in advance just in case. Oh, I love <laughs> so it. I, I love off, it. I got them off to the side. Um, so if I look this way, it's because I'm checking my notes. Cool, um, cool. Let's talk about so that. So first off, I'm going to just say uh, most of this is my figuring things out as opposed to things I've read. But the one thing that okay. pretty much everybody agrees on is partner selection is pretty darned important uh, when it comes to polyamory. Like, um, 
I, like the heart wants what the heart wants, but at mm -hmm. the same time, right? Just because you have a really good connection with somebody doesn't mean you're at the same stage in life or have the yeah. same wants or whatever. So on the other side of the coin, the joys of polyamory are different relationships can take different forms, right? So yeah. anyway, but my point, right, is like still partner selection matters, right? Like you don't want a person who is going to, you know, leave a reign of destruction in their wake for you and the rest of your partners, right? That would Toxic. be unfortunate. Exactly. <laughs> not, not everybody's as good as you would like, you know, or as good mm -hmm. as, you, as you see through the rose-colored glasses of uh, NRE, right? So. It's worse. It's so much worse. So much worse. Exactly. That. So much worse. <laughs> so the, the things that I've found um, over time, uh, and most of this started post-polyamory, right, uh, with relationships, was... Um, so you definitely need some shared core ethics. And so by that, I mostly mean like what to you makes a good person, right? Mm -hmm. So some people think that uh, religion is a, you know, part of what makes them a good person. That's fine. You know, everybody gets to have their own thoughts, feelings, and desires on these things. But like that probably wouldn't be compatible with me. Right. I know that would be compatible with a lot of other people. Um, on the other hand, if it's a person who's religious but can say, yes, but I can also see how a person of a different religion or new religion is also can be ethical because of A, B, or C, great. You know, like we've got a, in other words, like the, the core part of being a good person, we may not agree on the exact details, but we at least agree on the big picture, right? That's, so let that's me, kind let of me my... ask you this. Mm -hmm. How did you learn that lesson? Because that sounds like <laughs> a big... Like, um, you, you got slapped in the face with it type of thing. Core no, ethics. I got really lucky on that front. Um, okay. Really, all of my partners have been pretty amazing one way or another. Um, so I've never had anybody that I would say is, like, super incompatible in that regard. And I think okay. that's more because of, like, initial filtering and stuff. That, that one, to me, almost seems like... Uh, Maybe I'm just lucky, right? It just seemed baseline obvious to me, just like uh, mm -hmm. non-monogamy sort of seemed baseline obvious to me. Um, doesn't mean it's that way for everybody. Don't ever feel bad if that's not, you know, if that wasn't something that was obvious. So yeah, I mean, um, I guess I guess it makes <laughs> sense whether you're monogamous or not. You know, mm -hmm. core ethics and and those those values, core values, like mm -hmm. those have to line up in a yeah. relationship. Period. Yeah. It, it, again, like I said, it seems pretty bedrock, right? Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. So all right. Um, so core ethics is one. Mm -hmm. What else? Second one is um, you should probably share some wants with your partner. Mm. And like a really good example is, do you want kids or not? <laughs> like that's a that's pretty much a deal breaker for most people. You know, like do you want kids? And you know the answer might be yes, I want kids, but I already have them with somebody else, so we're all set. Or it might be I'm really looking for a partner to have kids with. You know mm -hmm. those kinds mm -hmm. of things. Um, another one that has come up. Uh, now is how much time do we want to spend together? Um, as they as they say in polyamory, right? Uh, love is infinite, but time is not. Mm -hmm. So you know, um, it, it's totally fine if you guys have different levels of time that you want, but it doesn't mean. How do I put this? Like, if it's a top priority for you, right? Like, if your goal is to have somebody that you live with and spend the vast majority of your time together, somebody who doesn't want that probably isn't a good fit. And like, you can try mm. and make that work, but it's probably going to cause stress and, you know, trouble eventually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just conflicting, conflicting values, conflicting mm -hmm. wants, right? It's yeah. 
see, like I try to distinguish, right? Values would be something like ethics. Wants is something like time spent together. I, I, to me, but like, I could also see how to somebody else that might just be a, like a, such a core need that to them, it's pretty bedrock. That's totally fine too. Um, I love that. Yeah. So I will bring up our shared partner. Hint, hint. We're, we're actually metamorphs. Um, what? She's actually, she's there the there one, it is. There yeah. it is. So she's the one Spoiler. who actually taught me this a lot. Um, I'm a pretty introverted <laughs> person by nature, but I've mm -hmm. always generally lived with somebody uh, right. until until basically I got separated. And uh, and when she and I met, uh, she basically had to like tell me twice for it to really sink in. Like. I can't spend 24 seven with somebody. I just can't make that work. It won't mm -hmm. work. I will mm -hmm. eventually turn into a very not nice person and you won't like me and I won't like me. And this just isn't a, you know, doable. Yeah, and she's warned me about that too. I have yet to you see. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's probably yeah. what she's saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it does help that she's ridiculously nice. So I, I think mm -hmm. her idea of not being nice is probably being like, quiet and like maybe a stare i'm just guessing i don't know but <laughs> but uh why so serious <laughs> yeah. hopefully <Nice>. not that <laughs> um wow no knives so, to the mouth please <laughs> i know right please no yeah oh um, anyway <laughs> so yeah so so, yeah, so uh, spending the time together you know right. if if it's something that just doesn't work for for the partnership then mm -hmm. it, it, I think that that's something that, uh, you know, whether, whether polyamorous or, or monogamous or it doesn't yeah. matter, we find that partners often try to change one another. If, you know, if, uh, I want someone who is going to be around all the time, live with 24 seven, all this stuff. And that's not what the other person wants, you know, my mistake would be to try to change that person's mind. And that's something mm -hmm. it sounds like that yeah. you've learned that it's just accept the person for who they are and, yeah. and for the, for what they're able to offer. Mm -hmm. Though that does bring up point number three. <laughs> point number three is. So point number three is, so point number three is be flexible. Um, nice. <laughs> so, right. You've just, you've established like your core. I've got to have this right. And you've established your, I would really like to have these things, but after that, try to be flexible. Like for example, I'm going to just use our shared partner again. Um, you know, our, levels of preferred amount of time shared together are different, but we both work a little bit towards the middle. It's, you know, a, a loving compromise, right? She mm -hmm. tries to make sure she can make some more time for you and me really. Mm -hmm. Um, even though she may not always be filling it in the moment, but she enjoys the time when she's with us, but yep. like, but like another way to put it right is that was something that I thought was important to me, but then on reflection, I realized, no, actually, you know, having lived alone for a while now, I actually really like parts of it. Um, yeah. not saying I want to live alone forever, but not having to be with somebody 24 seven is actually pretty nice. And I completely mm -hmm. understand that now. So, you know, thanks, yeah, Carla. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, cause that, that definitely is a, a growth, um, a time of growth. Oh, right. Yeah. Where you come from, you know, being in a relationship with somebody where you were living with them and, you know, married mm -hmm. to that person. So, I mean, you're, you're constantly around that person. Then you, you know, get with, with this other person who's not necessarily willing to give that much time or, or, you know, is a little bit more restrictive. And you said that, that it was, uh, you know, a loving compromise. You have to kind of get to that 
to that uh, agreement. How did that come about? Like, what were some of the steps? What were some of the conversations like to get to that point? We were on a break! (laughs) (laughs) Just just very short ones. Yeah. Um, Definitely not. They weren't breaks, but I... I, No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Days uh, of breaks of not seeing each other. Anyway. Yeah, but... Well, I mean, the whole concept of a break doesn't really isn't really required with polyamory, but we that's probably a whole different episode, um, whole different so, conversation. <laughs> yeah. But so, really, what we tried to do was come up with okay, so like I, I look at it almost like a muscle, right? Like your ability to be with partners is probably a muscle that you can you know exercise and get better at, right? Mm-hmm. Just like my ability to not be with a partner, even though I really want to is a muscle that I can exercise and get better at. Right. And so if we both work at that, we can both get to a point where we're both pretty darn happy with things, you know, like, again, it's not like it's always perfect, happy song and roses, but it's honestly been pretty freaking amazing the whole time. So yeah, pretty close, you know? So yeah, the, 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 you know, and again, the, the thing that was really shocking to me was this, okay, there's this, thing that came out of right field for me that I wouldn't have guessed. And then I realized, oh, actually, no, thanks to her, I realized I'm in the same boat, just not to the same degree, right? Like, I think most anybody except probably a super extrovert is like, yeah, I do need my alone time every once in a while, or, you know, mm-hmm. insert insert your uh, particular time frame here. But, um, you know, like that helped me empathize with her, right? And be like, oh, right, of course, I totally get the, you know, I remember when, you know, I had some time off when I was married and it was just me in the house and it was really nice because it was a change of pace. I can completely understand that. And from there, it was just um, uh, using that base to, you know, A, understand, B, be like, oh, yeah, therefore, you know, I don't have to see her every single day and that's okay. Um, also it really helps that, you know, once energy is faded a little bit and you're not mm-hmm, like basically mm-hmm. drunk on the other person that helps too. So <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Definitely does. So what yeah. were some of the agreements that you guys ended up coming up with? Um, mm. you know, I, I'm sure that things have changed. I know that things have changed, uh, over the past 11 months, stupid <laughs> yeah. COVID. Um, but like prior to that point, like what were some of the agreements that you guys had made? What were some of the compromises that you guys found? Um, well, you know, really, we didn't have to compromise on much of anything else. This is kind of where that shared wants and shared core ethics come mm-hmm. back. Um, like, we both read more than two. And um, just spoiler warning, there are some problematic parts to it. Uh, if you want to do some Googling about the, one of the authors being a pretty awful human uh, that's come out in the last wah, couple wah. of years. I know, unfortunate uh, to say yep. the least, but I'm really glad it's coming out and people are can be aware. That said, there are still pieces of the book that are worth, you know, you know, like you don't necessarily have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Anyway, sorry, digression over. <laughs> you know, my part, our partner and I, we basically were, read the book and it resonated, most of it resonated with us. And we were like, this all really makes sense. Uh, and so from that perspective, it turned out that we already had a lot of the same wants and we already had pretty much all of the same core ethics. Um, again, we, we may come at them from a slightly different direction here and there, but really the time difference was the one biggie that really comes to mind is like the big, oh man, this might be a an issue for a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was the one place where we had to compromise. Everything else has been, frankly, shockingly easy. Like a really good example is uh, 
One thing I'm definitely not a fan of, and I call this toxic monogamy, is the uh, sort of possessive culture of monogamy, mm -hmm. right? When people talk about, you know, my man or my woman or, um, you know, or my guy or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, uh, you know, or the classic things of jealousy where it's like, don't talk to other people of the opposite sex, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, Can't have friends of the opposite sex, all that. Yeah, exactly. Those things we, we both agreed were pretty awful. And like another one is like, we both firmly uh, agree that vetoes are really bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, not saying it can't work for other people, um, especially maybe starting out, but I would say probably veto is still, oof, it's got some problems, mostly because it doesn't uh, take the new person into consideration. Like, um, would you, you know, would you ever like, I mean, what if it was a situation where, she, you know, she met someone who, who you recognized mm -hmm. as just toxic or abusive or whatever and for some reason she just had those blinders on not that she mm -hmm. would but she just had the blinders on and right. you know or what if it was me let's make it simpler right or if what it if was I you that some ama amazing to me person and she was like you know actually a b and c she's pretty awful and i'd be and you know and so first off in this case we both know that nre is essentially drugs right for your brain that, <laughs> like, don't turn off yes. for a while and make you more or less addicted to somebody else yeah exactly so um we I, I this has not happened so i'm you know guessing but i think we would probably you know take the whoever was concerned would take the other person aside and lovingly explain things and we've got enough history now that I think we either of us would listen to the other. So mm -hmm. a veto isn't a requirement, but like there's nothing wrong with saying, on the other hand, I'm really not comfortable spending any time with that other partner of yours. That's okay. But like to me, mm -hmm. that would be a, oh, I need to at least think about, okay, why does she feel that way? Is there something I'm not seeing? Or is it, you know, the rose colored glasses are making the red flags not look red? Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so rather than just a, no, you can't see this person, it's a, Hey, here's why I'm concerned about this person. Um, cause again, neither of us owns the other, like we are stronger together, but that doesn't mean that therefore it doesn't mean that we are required to, you know, take over the other person's life. I mean, I guess if yeah. something really bad happens, sure. That, that, you know, we're talking exceptional circumstances, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, injury or something. I'm sorry. I took it too far. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> or if somebody else did, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. yeah. I think it's it, it comes down to being concerned for, you know, the other partner's safety mm -hmm. more than anything else. Absolutely. Um, if it's something where we're where we are concerned for the safety of the partner or even the safety mm -hmm. of, you know, our relationship. If there's something going on that it's going to somehow bleed over into your relationship, I feel like that's that's definitely a, a, a conversation to have at the least absolutely yeah and uh th again this is probably outside of the scope of today but like there's a big difference between boundaries and rules um boundaries are things that you apply to yourself you know mm -hmm. and uh, affect you they may affect other people but it's like i am going to do x because of behavior y not you know you can't do behavior y that's right. essentially the simple really quick and probably yep. not full <laughs> full explanation for the difference but um again th this is personal you know ethics and and uh i don't know if i'd call it desires this is probably one of my core ethics is um the, the idea of a veto is a bad thing like if i met somebody mm -hmm. who was amazing in all forms except that she and her partner had veto 
that would probably be a deal breaker. I mean, again, yeah. I'm never going to say ne- I'm never going to say 100%, but you know, that's a giant like oh dear <laughs> kind of a That's thing. definitely a big blinking mm-hmm. bright, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. caution yeah. flag at least. Definitely. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, Jason, it has been fun chatting with you. I haven't actually had a chance to chat with you I know, uh, for... in about a year. <laughs> in about a year. I know. I know. I miss Gee, you, man. Imagine that. I know. So. <laughs> But uh, it's definitely been fun catching up with you and especially here and getting the chance to, you know, kind of share a little bit of, I mean, not really our history, but, you know, your history, at least we can do that another another show another time. Uh, I'll interview you one of these times. We'll get your history. That sounds good. We can totally (laughs) switch roles. Um, Thanks so much, man, for coming on, though. Uh, It's really been a pleasure and and, uh, it's been fun getting to just catch up and and talk a little bit about the relationship that we share, you know? Exactly. Because it's, this is, this is the real life. This is the real stuff that happens. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we are real people and we do have a shared partner and we're still friends. Like this is great. This is the cool thing, uh, you know, that, that, that we get to enjoy, uh, you know, in, in the polyam world uh, that I think it it tends to throw a lot of people off. You know, I, I feel like that's, (laughs) yeah, that's always one of those things like, Oh, I could never share. Like, yeah, well, this dude's, freaking cool so (laughs) whatever exactly i know i got to meet another new awesome human thanks to our shared partner exactly exactly so yep yeah all right well uh i am going to uh cut it there let me just grab my notes here um Thank you to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions. But the same cannot be said for the podcast downloads. If you want to avoid those commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday or sign up for our Patreon where you'll not only get access to our commercial-free RSS feed, but also Patreon-only content like reaction videos and Q&A with our upcoming professional guests. Really looking forward to that. Going to have a lot of fun with uh, therapists and accountants and lawyers and all these things that are going to be poly-friendly, polyam-friendly. So... Uh, thanks again, everybody, for hanging out with us today. Thank you, Jason, for hanging out with us today. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all our social media at Practicing Polyer. Go to our YouTube, subscribe, uh, and hit that little bell to be notified when we're going live. Jason, once again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you, man. Oh, Take care. You know what? Actually, one well, last thing. Okay. One last thing. Uh, <laughs> my buddy Alex, he, he, he left another comment right here right now. He just the mind blown, right? And uh, one of the things that he had asked yesterday, and I'll just get your opinion on this, um, is open relationship synonymous with polyamory? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to tell you, so some of this might be my opinion, but most of this is uh, generally accepted. So open relationship is sort of like an umbrella term, sort of like queer is an umbrella term in the LGBTQ space, right? Like queer Mm -hmm. can encompass lots of different things. And so an open relationship could be a swinging relationship, could be a uh, a DADT, which is sort of like you just go off. Don't ask, don't tell. Right. And, And like maybe have encounters with people, like when you're on business trips, something like that, it could be full, full on polyamory. So open is generally like the umbrella term. Uh, and sometimes people might use that just because other people are like polyamory that's swinging. Right. Or, you know, like they don't really know, or they don't, uh, you know, or there could be, you know, you might think there's some baggage associated with that term Mm -hmm. or something like that. So perfect. So basically, Open relationship is the umbrella and polyamory just falls underneath that. Yep. One of the types of open relationship. 
Perfect. Yeah. Alex, thanks for the question. Uh, and Jason, again, thank you for your input. Thank you for uh, hanging out with me today, man. Appreciate yeah, you. It's great talking to you. Take care, man. All right, everybody else, have an awesome, wonderful... Have a nice day! Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing